But if you have a Bible, please open to John chapter 16. We're going to be in John chapter 16. We'll bounce around a little bit. Soon here, we're going to be starting a series in, a, in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Dan. Really looking forward to that. So this is just a little detour we're taking for this Sunday. And this morning, the thing that the Lord put on my heart um, is really a theme that he put on my heart for this entire year. Um, Again, it's John chapter 16, but if you look down at verse 33, it's at the very end. Verse 33. I'll read it now. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Man, I love this verse. It's been a staple to me before in my life, but... Really what happened is this last uh, winter heading into the new year, I was at a, at a crossroads. I was at a, um, a church in Telluride, Colorado. That's where I was with my wife before we moved here and our little family. We were having a New Year's Eve service, and there was a time set aside in the service to just go before the Lord and ask, um, what do you have for us this year, Lord? What's going on? What's the... Sometimes years and seasons, they have themes, you know. And so I just, we just got down on our face before the Lord and said, Lord, we want to dedicate this year to you just like we just dedicated baby Ezra. We want to dedicate the year to you, but just do you have a word for us, Father? And this verse really popped out at me, uh, John sixteen thirty three, And really, um, the desire to experience God's peace in everything. Peace with God, peace with men. Because in the Christian life, and you guys are familiar with this, there are different seasons, you know, it's normal, like uh, we have summer, which is pretty hot, we have the uh, fall where it cools down a little bit, winter it gets really cold, and uh, in Mountain Home in the spring it just stays cold, it's just continually cold until like May or June. <laughs> yeah, spring just does whatever it wants here, there's no rules. <laughs> but we have different seasons, right, seasons where we just, uh, we chill, Everything is good. There's abundance. You feel like God is just pouring his blessings out on your life. It feels like a barbecue could happen at any moment. You're just loving it, man. Life is great. We have seasons like that. And I love those seasons. They're really good. Other ones, uh, it feels like we're always in a battle. Like everything is just a fight. It's hard to do anything and everything. It's always uphill. Um, You guys ever been in a season like that? (laughs) Yeah, those are always a bummer. Nothing is easy. You know, other seasons I've noticed, um, it feels like we are experiencing uh, a sadness or a depression. Really, it's a, that's what it is. It's a depression. It's a weightiness that comes upon us. And I know this church um, has experienced uh, several of those se- seasons, just feeling uh, the weight of loss of loved ones. And so we understand that. We know that. The best description I heard of that, it feels like a wet blanket is just wrapped around you all day. Seasons are really heavy. And when we read the Psalms, we can see David experienced uh, all of the seasons that I just mentioned. He goes through the up and downs, the roller coasters of all of it. Sometimes he would be joyous and say, praise the Lord, bless the Lord. This is Psalm 8, look at verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. He's just praising the Lord. And then this is verses 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? He's just honoring the Lord right here, just in, in awe of his creation. And then this is verse 9. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And some seasons just feel like that, you know. They feel just so good. Uh, in Psalm chapter 58, though, David was experiencing a, dif- a different season. He said, Lord, break the teeth of the wicked. 
I thought that was like the best prayer ever, you know. You guys ever pray that to your enemies? <laughs> Someone steals your parking spot, you're like, just grind their bones to dust, Lord. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm kidding, we don't do that. It's other churches, man. <laughs> no, but David understood the roller coaster, right? We get it. You know, we go through all these seasons. One season he mentioned his bones were aching. He was just, he couldn't deal with the weight of his sin. He felt so separated from the Lord because he had committed adultery and he'd committed murder. Uh, His sin was really weighing on him. And I found in my own uh, personal walk with the Lord, I have experienced all these ups and downs too. Uh, The seasons where it's awesome, everything is over the top blessing, it's abundance. Other seasons like we were just talking about, it's pain and sorrow. It's just hurt where we're, you know, just wrapping an arm around somebody who was really hurting. Um, And maybe it's you. Yeah, all of them. But leading up to that New Year's Eve service that I just mentioned a few months ago, it felt like I I had just been wrestling with the Lord. And that's kind of a Christian term we throw it around, you know, like we're wrestling with the Lord. But what I really mean by that, um, I just wasn't sure what to do with my life, with my job, with my family. I was just at a crossroads. I was at a major crossroads. I felt like I needed to be doing this just to be in ministry, serving him just in this capacity. Um, But I had been doing construction for the past four years, so I was really struggling because I had invested a lot of time and energy and money into, you know, this trade, and it just uh, felt like a a waste of time, so I felt like I was at a major crossroads, felt like I was really invested into that. But I'll never forget, I was... uh, I was sitting in one of the chairs in this church sanctuary, just asking the Lord, going before him and saying, God, what what should we do? Where should we go? We feel like we need to go. Like you're calling me, like you're doing something. And there was just this back and forth with the Lord that we were having. You want me to go this way, that way? Where It was like that whole tug of war concept. It's stressful. It's confusing. And this is really cool. I have it written in my journal entry for that night. But I just felt like the Lord said, enough, enough of the wrestling. Enough of this back and forth. I want you to just experience my peace. And then John 16, 33 came up. And it was like, he just got to take a deep breath, like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. It really was a relief to uh, read that verse. The problem was I was freaking out. I was uh, just white knuckling the steering wheel. Have you guys ever done that? Where you just hold on to it so tight? I just felt like the Lord was telling me, dude, just like let go, stop white knuckling it. I got it. Jesus, take the wheel. Come on, let's all sing it together. It's like, Jesus, just kidding, man. No, I just felt like the Lord said, I got it, dude, let go. Um, but that night in the sanctuary, you know, it was awesome. I just prayed, Lord, I read about the peace that you can give us in Philippians chapter four, and I want that. I just want, I want to stop the restlessness. I want to stop the wrestling. I want to experience your peace, and I, I'm just done white-knuckling it, if that makes sense. Peace with God, peace with man. That was the theme, just letting go. Um, I will say, however, that doesn't mean I haven't had uh, any hard times or trials this year. It feels like uh, I have had more trials this year than I have in the last four years combined. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Uh, it's just a season with the Lord. Sometimes that happens where everything, uh, like I mentioned, is is really, really really hard. I have more gray hair now than ever. You probably can't see it from that far away, but it's there. My dad's bald, so I'm just concerned, you know. (laughs) It's like super bald. 
All right. Well, hey, look with me at John chapter 16. Look at verse 32. This is just the verse before. I want to give a little context just to what's going on here. John 16, 32. This is Jesus speaking with the disciples. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and, leave, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Again, Jesus is just telling the disciples what's about to happen. They've just eaten the Passover meal together, but it's before he goes into the garden to pray. He's talking to the disciples and he's telling them, here's the deal, you guys. I'm out. I'm leaving. Just a matter of hours. The time has come. I'm going to be gone. The dialogue that happens between Jesus and Peter when he says that is so interesting. This is John 13, 36, and 38. This is what Peter says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Remember, Jesus said he was leaving. Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. At this point, Peter thought that he would do anything for Jesus. He said, you can't leave. I'd lay down my life for you. I'd, I'd go wherever for you. I'd do anything for you, Lord. You can't go. Jesus predicts his betrayal there, his denial. And to the other disciples, he had said something similar, and this is in John 16, 16. He says, a little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Jesus is saying there, in just a little bit, just a little bit, I'm going to be going to the Father. The disciples, their reaction is interesting, though. They, they are not getting it. It's not getting through up here that he's going to be gone. They're not loving all this talk. The reason why is because they thought uh, he was going to be king. These Romans were oppressing them. They thought, hey, we're going to rally together. You're going to be the king. You're going to be the guy. We're going to march in there with tanks and just kick butt, man. It's going to be awesome. You can't leave. It's our time to shine. It's our time to rise up. So they're really conflicted. Uh, confused. They're hurting a little bit. They're scared. I would be scared. But the stuff that they do understand, Jesus is saying, they're not really happy about that either. This is what Jesus said too in John 16, verses 1 and 2. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Okay, so track with me now. Jesus is saying, hey, the synagogue, they're even gonna kick you out of your own church, which was, that, that was very shameful to, to a Jew. To be kicked out of the synagogue was a really big deal. You didn't wanna do that. So shameful, um, really no coming back from it. So Jesus has now said, I'm gonna die, I'm leaving you. Your people are going to excommunicate you. They're gonna abandon you. Um, and your people and other people will want to kill you. Not a very good halftime speech, huh? <laughs> Wants them to rally. And then, uh, again, he says, you will be scattered in John 16, 32. Jesus tops it all off, saying, you will be scattered. It's gonna be every man for himself. But I, I said all those verses just to give us a glimpse into what the disciples are going through. They were confused, they were hurt. Like I mentioned, just scared. I think they would just feel flat out scared because they're not understanding what Jesus is saying. They, it, you know, we read it and we can predict, oh, this is what's gonna happen. They didn't know, they're in it, you know. They're in it at that time. He says, yep, they're gonna excommunicate you. They're gonna wanna kill you. Um, but these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And they're going, what? 
How are we supposed to have bees? You just said all this messed up stuff. Everyone's going to hate us. We're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. You're going to leave. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. But I said all that. Maybe, maybe you felt like the disciples have before. Um, a little confused, a little scared. Maybe really confused and really scared. <laughs> I've been there before. In my encouragement today, just from that verse, John chapter 16, verse, verse 33, Jesus can give you peace. He can. And I say that as somebody who has experienced his peace. You know, he doesn't just uh, offer peace. In fact, he actually is peace. We read that in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. They call him the Prince of Peace. That night in the church sanctuary, that, I, that story I mentioned a little bit earlier when I had my Bible open and uh, just my journal open, I was on my face before the Lord. I felt like the disciples did, just not sure, unsure, bummed out, scared, tired of wrestling, tired of feeling lost. Do I go this way, that way? You know, just worried and anxious. But something happens, you guys, I'm telling you. When we pick this up, you read it and you believe it, something happens when you meet with the Lord and he gives you peace. That's what happens. Every time you go to the Lord, he gives that to you. You know, a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. It was like a freedom, just a burden that was lifted. All I can say is that I just experienced, it's the peace that surpasses understanding. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah, we love that piece. We're going to throw it up here on the, on the screen, but it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Read this. I'd love to just meditate on this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That peace that I was referring to, this is it, man. It's the Jesus peace. <laughs> nothing like it. But it says there at the end of the verse that it acts as a guard. It says it'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Guard from what? Well, if you're like me, it's uh, anxiety, worry, depression, or it can be other things too. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you got a short fuse. I know people like that. I'm like that sometimes, got a short fuse. Uh, substance abuse. Maybe you're lonely. I don't know what it is. It's all real and it's all there before the Lord. But I'm uh, standing in front of you guys today not as somebody who has uh, heard about this piece from somebody else and their brother's brother's brother experienced it. I'm a firsthand witness of it. I've experienced it myself. And uh, to be totally transparent, and this isn't in any particular order, but I've been anxious, worried, depressed, all the things I just mentioned. Um, addicted, lonely, backslidden. I've been all of those things which is always super fun to get up in front of a bunch of people and say. <laughs> so I just like to say I was straight up messed up, man. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been there. Straight up messed up. Um, so when I'm talking about this piece, I'm not talking about it from a place of like, I have it and you guys don't and you ought to get it. I'm just saying, I'm coming from a place of like, man, I'm like the disciples and I need God's peace every single day. I want it. Because here the problem is that we live in a world uh, that's full of trouble. That's the way I like to put it. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But it's true, right? It seems like now more than ever, tribulation is just right here. I read something really interesting in preparation for this. But listen to this. A famous French historian estimated that there had been 3,130 years of war in contrast to 227 years of peace from the 15th century before Christ to his own day. The world had seen 13 years of war for every year of peace. 
and in this is in the U.S. There has been a grand total of 15 years when we have not been at war with someone. Another study said this, globally, we have been at peace for only 8% of recorded history. Pretty sad. And the political climate, we're, we're not going to talk politics or anything, but it just seems tense. It always seems tense. And don't get me wrong, I think we need to be wise. We need to be aware of the times. We need to be prepared, certainly. Um, I have a hard time, however, just turning on the news because I get a little discouraged. And to be honest, I get a little freaked out. You guys do that when you watch the news? I go, uh, I go into bunker mode, I call it. Get a little bunker mode in there. <laughs> but just as we read, don't, don't go bunker mode, man. Be anxious for nothing. This is the definition of anxiety. A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. You know, we're anxious. We're worried without the Lord. That's our state. But my prayer today, and just as I was preparing for this, my prayer today, if you need God's peace in your life, um, if you need just a touch from the Lord and you want to experience that, just ask the Lord for his peace, man. He'll give it to you. And it's the peace that we just talked about. Jesus said something really, really cool about this too in another, uh, in another story. I want to turn there really quickly, just for a moment. It's Matthew chapter 11. This is verses 28 through 30. This is what he said. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And we don't use that term too often anymore, yoke. It's kind of old school. But Jewish people would have been really familiar with it because there were a lot of farmers. And the idea is that you have a, uh, it's like a wooden cross piece. It's fastened over the necks of two oxen typically, attached to a plow or a cart, pulls it. You get a lot more done that way when there's two of them paired up. Um, it's interesting though. I mentioned that there were two oxen. One is what we call the lead ox. It's like the veteran ox, okay? This one has been around a long time. It's seen some things. <laughs> it's the master. The second is the new ox. This is kind of like the new guy. Younger one, traditionally less experienced. But what's really cool about this parable that Jesus is telling, when these oxen would plow, the older ox, the seasoned one, would really be responsible for the majority of the load. He would bear most of it. And the younger one, you know, he's teaching him. The younger one, their job is actually easier because they don't have to wonder where to go or what to do. They're just attached to the leader. He's attached to the old ox saying, yeah, whatever, you show me the ropes. So when Jesus says, hey, take my yoke upon you, that's, he doesn't want to overwork you and uh, drive us into the dirt. That's not what Jesus is saying. Um, that's really a misconception that the world has, that if we come to him, he's just going to bear us down with religion and put all these heavy loads upon us. That, that's not a, what, what he's saying. He's saying, hey, let me take the weight. Let me lead. Hey, you don't worry about it, okay? Just attach yourself to me and I'll get her done. Just go with my flow. That's what he means when he says, take, you know, take my yoke upon you. But have you ever found yourself in that category, baby? Like overworked, heavy laden? I have, definitely. Every time I unload the dishwasher, I'm like, Lord... <laughs> I'm kidding, yes, okay. Some people are underworked. They don't work enough. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but my encouragement, it, just from that whole parable, is just be yoked to the Lord. Get connected with him. Let him take the lead. For me, you know, I just got to a point where I said, Lord, I can't do it anymore. 
I just can't. I can't lead myself. I, it's, I can't lead my family. I need you to take the lead, Lord. Just please, you do it. I can't do it. But I love verse 29. Look at verse 29. What happens when we yoke ourselves to Jesus? What happens when we get connected to the Lord? You'll find rest for your souls. Man, that sounds so good to me. Because the truth is, I, I believe that we're all just connected to something. We're all yoked, just using that illustration, to something. And if it's the world, that's a bummer, man, because that's a heavy load. It's too much to bear. It really is. The world, the, all the problems, you start looking around for a little while, that's too much to bear, too stressful. But with our Lord, with Jesus, when we're connected to him, when we take that yoke, something happens. You get rest. You get peace. You say, okay, Lord, you got it. Rest. Being connected with Jesus means that you just automatically, just an instant byproduct of being connected with him. It's awesome. But maybe you're somebody right now who is wrestling. Maybe you're, uh, I don't know, you're just hesitant to go to him. I've been in that place before too. Maybe you're feeling just weighed down by a heavy burden. I don't know, maybe you just brought that in here and you're just bummed. My encouragement is just get connected to Jesus. And if we don't get connected to the Lord, we just burn out. It's a bummer. Get, to, get connected to the Lord. Get peace and rest. And this is the last story I, I just want to tell, mentioning this peace that we talked about in John chapter 16. It's in uh, Mark chapter 4. Just uh, You don't have to turn there. We've got it on the screen or you can if you want to. But we'll pick it up in, in verse 35. This is Mark chapter 4. One of my favorite stories. It's so cool. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Man, the story is incredible, but Jesus had been teaching a great multitude, a big crowd. They would gather together to hear him preach and they would uh, press into him, the Bible says. They would want to get real close to him, but there are too many people. So one of Jesus' techniques is that he would put out from the shore just a little ways in a boat. It was awesome. It's like the floating pulpit. We're going to get one here, actually. No, we're not. I'm kidding. But Jesus is on the west side, and he's, go, he's telling the disciples, hey, we're going to cross over to the other side. We're going to go to the east side. Now, and then we'll pick it up in verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. It's really interesting. In this sea, it was in 1986, but we discovered a fishing boat like this that was actually pretty much intact. And it was 27 feet long, 27 feet wide, and 4 feet deep. So it's really put together. It's really cool. I thought that was just interesting. But watch what happens in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? A great windstorm arose. Another translation actually says, a furious squall. Big time storm is what that means. And in this area of the Sea of Galilee, there's a wind that comes from the east. Really nasty though, it's called the Sharkia. It's Arabic for shark. That's what they have nicknamed this wind. And it causes really bad storms. Makes fishermen really, really nervous. They're hesitant to go out in that evening time. But I believe that the wind that Jesus is referencing here and the, the wind that happened I believe that Satan personally sent this storm. The reason why, I mean, it would have worked out great for Satan because all the disciples and Jesus are in the same spot. And if he can, (laughs) you know, they're like fish in a barrel. He's like, oh, this is great. I'll send the storm. My plan will work and they'll all be dead. Um, One storm could take them all out. You know, we believe that God made the earth and everything in it. And that's certainly true. However, in John chapter 12, verse 31, Satan is referred to as the prince of this world. 
that means he has uh, some authority here and uh, some power here, and he exercises it, as we see, by sending the storm. And it's furious, it's terrible, it's beating against the ship. It starts to fill with water. And it must have been really bad if the disciples were freaked out, because again, they are seasoned fishermen. They know the ropes. They've been out on the storms before, perhaps even uh, the Sharkia ones that I mentioned. They've seen it. So for them to freak out like they did, big deal. Must have been a really, really bad storm. But notice with Jesus, though, it's in verse 38 there. He was in the stern, asleep on, the, on a pillow. He's in the back of the boat, sleeping. <laughs> and this is uh, the worst storm the disciples have ever seen. It's like I'm imagining the Jewish version of Deadliest Catch, you know. Rough out there. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. I read a story, it's really interesting actually, about this little boy. His name was Douglas Spedden. Um, I actually don't know his age, but he was younger. And he was on the Titanic when it sank. He was with his parents. And uh, they hit the iceberg. And he was asleep when they hit the iceberg. And so his dad grabbed him. And it had actually started to tilt back like that. But they made it to a life raft. They got into the life raft. And the kid stayed asleep the whole time. He woke up and he was in the middle of a life raft just in the middle of the sea. And I was like, dude, that kid's a Christian. He's doing what Jesus did. (laughs) So the disciples, they say, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you even care about us? We're going to die. And then this is verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus gets up and it says he rebuked the wind. The word there is epitomeo. It means to really scold somebody. Jesus used it earlier, actually, when he, uh, in Mark chapter one, there was a gentleman in the synagogue who had an unclean spirit within him. And Jesus rebuked the spirit. He said, hey, come out of him. Jesus is using the same terminology here. He rebukes, uh, rebukes the storm. But then he says to the sea, peace, be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm just a calmness and a peace that fell over the sea. And look at what happens. This is in verse 40. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus had made them a promise. He had said, hey, we're going to the other side. We're going to get there. When the storm came up, Jesus' promise didn't change. He didn't say, I take it back, I take it back. (laughs) He had said, hey, we're going to get there. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? But I empathize a lot with the disciples here. We give them a hard time for saying that, you know, but we know the end of the story. But when there are storms in my life or just stuff that comes up, I say, do you even care, God? Have you ever been there where you just said, do you even hear me? Do you even notice me? Is, are my prayers just like hitting the ceiling here? Sometimes we get like that. And I brought up that whole story just to say to you guys, man, God cares. He cares about the storms in your life. And he cares about the burdens that you're carrying. I firmly believe it. That's our God. You know, just as he made a calmness and just that peace that came upon the sea, the waves, I believe that he can give us that same calmness and that same peace. That's his spirit. And I I believe God just wants us to experience that. We're going to wrap up here. I'm going to call the worship team up here which is just Greg, which is awesome. <laughs> That's why he said get involved. He's like, hey, it's just me. So you can sing. <laughs> but at the end of John uh, 
chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said something so profound. He said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, is what he said. And this is prior to him going to the cross, he said that. Isn't that weird? He said, I've already done it. I've already overcome the world. You know, I look at the world today, I get discouraged. Like I mentioned to you guys, I go into my bunker mode. It's freaky. I just think how, I can't overcome this. Like, it's too, (laughs) it's too much. How can I bear this burden? How am I gonna make it through this storm? But honestly, the truth is I can't. I can't do it without the Lord. I can't make it through the storm. Can't overcome the world. If anything, it just feels like I'm the world's punching bag sometimes. Have you guys ever felt that? Man, it hurts. But Jesus did it. He overcame the world. and He's the one that can calm the storms. I just believe the storms that are inside of us, the ones that we're going through now. You know, I titled this sermon, um, It Ain't Worth the Worry. Because it's not, you guys. It's not worth it. Just to just to freak out over all the troubles. It's actually really a spinoff of a country song, She Ain't Worth the Whiskey. You guys heard it? I stole it from that guy, but... Ain't worth the worry. But I was just thinking, man, all those storms in our life, the fear, the confusion, just all the anxieties we have, burdens we're bearing, maybe you're bearing one right now. I just thought, man, not even worth the worry. Not when you have God's peace, you know when you got God's peace in, in, in you. Yeah, I would have uh, just a lot less gray hair if I committed to worrying less. But man, that's my encouragement to all of us today. If you've got a burden, just give it to the Lord. If you've you know maybe found yourself in the middle of a storm, cry out to him. Cry out to the Lord today. Get his peace. You know, sometimes we're just tired too. It's just the grind of life. It just wears you down. Nothing's super bad. Nothing's super great. You're just trudging along and it that's just the grind of life man so sometimes we need that refreshment and that peace that comes from the lord um so i I just want to pray for anybody in the room right now you don't got to raise your hand or or nothing i just we'll bow our heads and pray but if that's you and you just are are needing a touch from the lord today you're just like man lord i need that peace um then just agree with me with with this prayer but uh, let's pray right now father i just ask Uh, Again, for anybody in here with a burden, Lord, anyone who's struggling, man, we are your children and we know that you know exactly what we need prior to us even praying. Exactly what we need, Lord. So I praise you for that and I ask, I just ask for your peace, Father, to be upon those people that are hurting right now. Just send your Holy Spirit, Lord, just a touch from you, just just a glimpse of you, Lord. That's, that's what we desire. Maybe it's physical, Lord, a, a brokenness. Maybe it's a spiritual brokenness. There's something hurting, Father. I, I ask again for your touch and your peace to be upon your people now. I just want to pray this too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. All right, let's worship. Let's worship.